Welcome to the Wealth Evolution, a detailed exploration of Ireland's remarkable economic journey. From its humble beginnings as an economically underperforming nation to one that is now fast creating wealth, but has yet to build out the same investment infrastructure enjoyed by other advanced economies. This podcast is hosted by me, economist and author Michael Sullivan, in conjunction with Unio Wealth Management. In this series, I'm joined by experts from the worlds of economics, finance, history and business to examine the factors that have contributed to Ireland's growth of wealth and the attitudes towards it. In this episode, we look at the world of investing and with some expert guests, explore the questions that can shed light on various aspects of Ireland's own investment journey. We'll touch on a wide range of topics, including the competitiveness of the Irish economy and the investment infrastructure needed to make it more robust, the role of venture capital and private equity firms, and the importance of investment literacy and education. We will also mention the concept of sustainable investing. Finally, we talk about the preferences and attitudes of the next generation of investors and the challenges faced by traditional financial institutions in meeting their needs. So, If you're an experienced investor or just getting started, join us for this insightful discussion. I hope you learn something about the world of investing and come away with a deeper appreciation of wealth creation and Ireland's role in it. You're listening to The Wealth Evolution, brought to you by Michael Sullivan in association with Unio Wealth Management, guiding, guarding and growing wealth in Ireland. My first guest in this episode is Ellen Kelly, a co-founder of Savvy, a sustainable fintech platform which is all about making sustainable investing simple, informative and transparent. The reality is that most people are terrified of investing. And I start by asking Ellen about the reasons why and how we might foster a better investment culture. Ellen, just to get started uh, on that point, um, you know, I know lots of very clever, intelligent people. But when it comes to investing, there is this uh, almost mental or psychological barrier. Uh, How do you overcome that? Yeah, I think it it definitely comes with confusion around what investing is um, and particularly on how to get started. And I think some of the biggest things to overcome it is just to get a little bit more informed. You know, it's not something we necessarily learn in school, even if you have a business background. And so, really education around, you know, what the investing goals are, what you want to invest in and and what the kind of things you need to take into account before investing can really help get over that hurdle um, and start the investment process. And Ellen, one of the recurring themes in this podcast series um, is that we need a better investment infrastructure in Ireland and maybe even more broadly in Europe mm-hmm. uh, to help entrepreneurs Um, Do you want to give us some ideas from your own experience of uh, working in Ireland and also working in France uh, as to how this might play out? Yeah, I think definitely, you know, when you think of entrepreneurs, the early stage can often be the most important Uh, when it comes to financing. Later on, it's very well structured in in terms of VCs. But I think things like revitalizing the angel community and really trying to increase that presence in Ireland of early stage angel investors could be really helpful. I also would say that the role of universities is quite strong. And so, you know, if we could encourage the universities to really put a focus on entrepreneurship, not only as a career path, but also as support for entrepreneurs who are launching out of university, it can really create a great ecosystem then to kind of, you know, leapfrog on to uh, more structured financing later on. 
And one of the uh, the pillars of Savvy is sustainable investing. And we hear a lot about this from the press, sometimes from, from politicians, but I'm not sure many people understand what exactly sustainable investing looks like. Can you give us some colour uh, and tell us how you go, go about doing so? Yeah, so I'd say the first thing when you think of, of sustainable investing is obviously, you know, you're looking at investing in in the future that we you know hopefully are all in agreement should be more sustainable and when it comes to that it's more about just investing in companies that have a long-term focus on the future which then you know can then lead them to more long-term profitability and so you know for example there's a study from McKinsey that says that sustainability reduces uh, costs and can affect operating profits by up to 60 percent so as a sustainable investor not only are you trying to invest in you know things that are contributing to the planet but you also have a view of a long-term sustainability in in terms of profit so risks are being taken into account and really climate risk is going to become a financial risk. So it's kind of, you know, you're future proofing your portfolio in that sense and educate, you know, making sure that you're investing, sorry, in line with your values. And I think it's a more holistic approach to investing, but it doesn't mean that it's, you know, philanthropy or anything like that. You're still focused on a financial gain over the long run. And do you want to give us a little bit of detail uh, as to how Savvy constructs uh, sustainable portfolios? Yeah. So the way we do it is you look at uh, risk profiles. So how much risk appetite somebody has. And that's a, a pretty you know a standard practice when you're building a portfolio for somebody. And then what we do is take a sustainability profile into account. So not only are you looking to how risk averse each person might be, but then also, you know, what are the things within sustainability that the individual might care about most? We use the sustainable development goals from the UN as a framework. And that's across all, you know, social and environmental and governance factors so that we can create a diversified portfolio. We essentially take all of the funds that are are out there in the European universe and really filter it down to take into account funds that are working towards integrating companies within them that have a, you know, long-term sustainability focus that I, I looked at before. And that way you've got a diversification, you've got a financial goal, but you're really taking into account the sustainability preferences of each person. Now, it strikes me that uh, an awful lot more people spend time investing in crypto than in sustainable investing. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I think, I think you, you and I agree, uh, given our previous chats, that uh, crypto is not, is, not, is not sustainable. It's probably not investing either. Yeah, I think, you know, hype can come into it a lot and, and sustainable investing doesn't really fall in line with that hype, you know, because you are looking over the long run. And when it comes to things like crypto, it's more kind of, I would say, fun, a little bit more like trading in that sense. You know, in some ways it can be gambling. And so the way I look at it for some people is, you know, if you're really interested in looking at cryptos, you know, by all means do it, but be very methodical about it. And let's say take only 10% of what you're willing to invest and use that to play around with, you know, any alternative investments you're interested in, whether it be crypto or not. But also, you know, it's really important to note that crypto is not sustainable and it's very energy intensive. Um, and so to try and take that into account if you're really looking for sustainability. Uh, and just to shift gear a little bit, uh, Ellen, um, one of the things that's that's maybe unusual about Ireland compared to other countries is that this is really the, uh, the first generation of people across Ireland where wealth is being passed on from one generation to, yeah. to the other. And if we think about the next generation that's coming through, what do you think, given your own experience, what do, you, what do they want from investing? 
I think the next generation, and, and you're right, there's a lot of wealth in, in the younger generations that I think isn't being taken into account by perhaps, you know, the older infrastructure that exists in Ireland. Um, I think, you know, the first thing that they want is simplicity. Um, you know, I talked about that before, the, the confusion around and, and the scaremongering around how to start investing. So something that is simple, something that is digital. I really think that, you know, that's why fintechs do so well. Um, and, you, and you see that in Ireland, any fintechs that have come into Ireland have, have done really well because we like managing our money on our phones and, and on our computers. And finally, I think that sustainability is something that younger generations really want to take into account. You know, having this holistic approach to what you're doing, that you're you're investing for the long run of the future and you know that sustainability comes into that. So yeah, I think digital, simple and sustainable would really be the kind of three keys I would see in Ireland in terms of what we're lacking. And then finally, Ellen, just to put you on the spot, um, <laughs> what uh, classic, simple but powerful rules of thumb uh, on investing would you offer to people, particularly those who, who are just beginning to invest? Yeah, so the first thing that I would say, and, and we do this at Savvy as well, is, you know, have a look at what your goals are, first of all. Have, you know, a safety fund. I would say don't go investing, you know, straight off the bat and, and not all at once. Um, and then, you know, to start to dip your toe, I would always recommend to start going in, into funds. So looking at, you know, whether that be active or passively managed funds so that you can get, you know, pretty quickly quite diversified. Your money is across several geographies and several different sectors. And, you know, it can still be ones that you're interested in, but it just gives that kind of protection so that you can start to follow and understand how the funds are performing, how things move and track the market that way. I think it's a really good way to get started for someone who isn't familiar with investing before looking at the kind of trading stock picking aspect of it. Alan, thank you very much. Those, those are very wise words. Uh, and thanks for joining the podcast. Thank you very much. My second guest today knows a thing or two about competitiveness, innovation and finance. It's Sinead O'Sullivan, venture capital fund founder, aerospace engineer and amongst other things, has just been running the Harvard uh, Competitiveness Centre. Sinead, you're very welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. You, you have a brilliant oversight uh, of so many areas. Uh, what makes a competitive economy, uh, how people innovate and how you, you finance that. Can you draw all those together uh, and tell us, given what you've seen in the States and other countries, what investment in wealth and infrastructure is needed to make Ireland more competitive and to channel its wealth? Oh, well, you know, you're asking all the easy questions today. <laughs> um, you know, I think the first thing to talk about here when we talk about Ireland and, you know, how we measure our own competitiveness is to talk about this kind of ongoing debate that we have at the minute in Ireland, which is that some people are saying, wow, Ireland is just so competitive and so strong that, that European countries need to remove it from the data because it's smudging and it's really, you know, it's making the data uh, difficult to to understand across Europe because we're so good. And then you have other people simultaneously who are saying, no, 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 no. Ireland is not in a good place right now. We are not competitive and we are not where we need to be. And it's a very kind of polarizing and confusing um, moment in time because weirdly, both of these people are maybe simultaneously correct and true. And I think what a lot of this comes down to, which is something that we've talked about a lot, um, is the fact that Ireland's economy grew so quickly. 
And when you have this kind of massive amount of growth in a really short amount of time, some areas of the economy grow faster than others. But interestingly, and you know, something that I think that we can talk about in this discussion is what happens culturally to Ireland when infrastructure, some of it grows really quickly and some of it doesn't. And it seems nearly weird to say this because our economy grew so quickly because of some of the really clever accountants that we had and some of those systems that they set up. But I would say that definitely finance is one of the, the areas in which Ireland has probably not managed to keep up with some of its peers. And just to, to, to develop that a bit. So in the first episode uh, with Sean O'Ree, we, we discussed a similar uh, theme, this Jekyll and, and Hyde mm-hmm. economy, uh, one that's very strong um, in terms of its outward facing export orientation, but then the the other domestic one that's not as strong. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I want to try and eke out is, is is finance. I mean, is are having more VC funds, private equity funds, better wealth and investment managers, is that a good way to channel the ex- external looking economy into the domestic one? Yeah, I mean, there's well, there's a lot to cover there. I think the first thing to say, going back to this kind of polarizing discussion, is that you can nearly draw a line in the sand um, between the people who think that Ireland is doing very well and outperforming and those who don't. And I would say that that line is a demographics line and it's nearly, nearly exactly correlated with age and at what stage in your life you are and which assets you own or don't own. So I think, you know, it's helpful to keep that in mind when you think about the fact that what assets you currently have exposure to today very much informs how you feel about not only uh, the economy and Ireland's position in the world, but but about your own life and your own future and whether or not you look forward and think, yeah, Ireland is the place that I want to raise my children if you don't already have them or and if you're thinking about it. Or, you know, what I'm hearing a lot at the minute is I'm going to Australia and I can never see that I'm going to be able to own the type of assets that I want to own in Ireland. Um, and so this kind of this this wealth and this asset management is an extremely, extremely important part of that conversation that is, it's 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 just never talked about. Mm, yeah, and and it's it's a way. I mean, I I discuss wealth and, and asset management not for its own sake, but it, it, simply for the sake that that's the the blood uh, and oxygen of the economy. It's it's fueling capital to innovation, and we are we are slowly making a transition from an economy, as you say, of accountants to <laughs> innovators and and, and startups. Um, and you're running a VC fund. You've seen so many successful startups in the in, in the states. Give us a little bit of color uh, as to how a domestic economy can maybe be be fueled by some of these startups because we're just beginning to see that happen in Ireland now. Yeah, so it's really interesting because you know what I think. What I heard in your last question was ultimately what role does venture capital or private equity play in an economy, any economy, and you know it's. It's astonishing when you think about the fact that VC and PE combined is only around a trillion dollars worth of the global economy, which, you know, obviously is a lot of money and people are going to think, wow, that's 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 massive um, compared to the kind of global equities, the stock markets, the public markets. It's a drop in the ocean, which, you know, the equities market is around 50 trillion. Um, and so you look at VCPE and you might think, well, this is a really small part of, you know, we have exposure in certain ways to to equities in Ireland. Doesn't matter if we don't have exposure to venture capital and private equity. 
But when you look at the kind of microdynamics within the fund industry and within venture capital and private equity, and then you look at some of the largest companies in the world that have been grown through those structures. So look at any, you know, Google, Facebook, any of the big tech giants that now ultimately are larger than most country GDPs. Very, 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 very few people have access to those types of investments. And those investments are ultimately changing our lives in every way. Mm-hmm. If, whether you invest in them or not, you are invested in part of that ecosystem, whether you are a customer, a user of that technology, or ultimately what you would like to be as a larger shareholder or owner. And, and just go to the, the other end of that, to the, the entrepreneurs. What, what advice would you give to entrepreneurs in Ireland, people who want to start new mm-hmm. businesses and to grow those? What kind of advice would you give them given what you've seen in the States and further afield? Oh, wow. I mean, culturally, I, like, let's just look at and quickly discuss the difference culturally between entrepreneurs in the US and entrepreneurs in Ireland. And I think a lot of, you know, again, you can read some data and many, many reports that will say things like, you know, you have to be able to take risks and you have to be a part of a larger ecosystem. But again, very anecdotally, what I what I have realized is that in the US, I don't know. It's it's like the lack of a social safety net and a financial safety net creates this urgent need to take on high risk. I mean, even people who have kind of created wealth through entrepreneurship in the US seek to do more and more of it. And I'll give you an example. A good friend of mine, he exited from a very well-known startup uh, in the aerospace industry, and he used the proceeds from that to fund his next venture. And you know, something I think that that could resonate uh, strongly with Irish people is that I was chatting to him one day about moving house and he said, oh yeah, no, I rent I rent my house. We, we don't own an apartment. We rent. And can you imagine in Ireland telling someone you'd had this yeah. huge multi-million dollar exit, you've put all your money back into your next startup, which you think is going to, you know, sell for multiples of even that, and that you rent. You don't, he has no interest in buying property. And I think that to me is probably one, it's one story, but it shows the many, many different ways in which culturally in Ireland, we assume different types of risks. Um, and that, that culturally, we, we see investment and risk taking and, and building wealth in very, very different ways. Yeah, and, I, and actually, I think the, the, the comparison between the US and Ireland is one many Irish people will get than, say, if I was comparing Ireland to Sweden or Denmark. We, we know those countries less well, even though they're, they're more similar to us economically. And in the US, there's much more... Uh, structure around in, uh, investing, the, the 401k, for example. Mm-hmm. People are much more literate and much better educated, at least in the area of, of investing. It's extraordinary. When I moved to the US, I firstly had no idea what, I mean, I might have seen it in Friends or something, a 401k, okay, a pension, something about that. Um, I knew nothing about my own pension in Ireland, despite having already worked in Ireland. And it's really extraordinary. As soon as I moved to the US, I realized whether your job is related to investing or not, everybody talks about investing all the time, nonstop. And I say it nearly as a joke, but I I swear it's nearly true. Like babies come out of the room nearly thinking about their 401k (laughs) in the US. And it's like, it's definitely a cultural thing. Um, And and if we look at why that, why that might be the case, why people are always talking about it and thinking about it. And so it's nearly even a social thing talk, you know, thinking about deal flow and different investments into different asset classes. It's because in the US, you don't have this kind of 
the social safety net that you have in Ireland. So, you know, when you're 10 years old, your parents have already told you 500 times that you're saving up for college. You can spend your communion money on, you know, something that you want to buy now, or you can put it into your college education fund. And when you spend 300 grand on an undergrad in the US, you think about that from a much younger age. You know, you're saving for a house and you're paying off your $300,000 undergrad mm. loan while paying 50 grand a year for your health care and thinking about your, your retirement because there's no state pension. And so you're forced into having to think about and be really, really smart about investing from a very early age. Whereas here, it's kind of like, well, I assume at some stage, you know, it's nearly like a right. I, at some stage, I will have a right to buy a property. And at some stage, I will have some sort of a pension, partly funded by the state, and that healthcare will always be free yeah. and readily, yeah. readily available. But that, that may not be the case forever. So I guess Americans invest because America is maybe more precarious socially, even though Ireland is becoming so, with ironically, with the bubble in the uh, the, the housing market. Uh, just, just given what, what you've observed um, in, in the investment industry and American society, uh, what what do the wealthy Americans do with their money? <laughs> well, they talk about it and they spend <laughs> it, which is not something they do in Ireland. Um, it's funny because in Ireland, you might never know that somebody has, has money or wealth. And in the US, that is almost certainly not the case. It's funny because there's definitely a difference between being rich and being wealthy. Uh, you use the word wealthy. And, you know, that has that has connotations as to how they made their money and how quickly they made it. Wealthy people tend to spend it on, you know, even, oh, wow, it's amazing when I think about it. Even their spending habits are forms of investing. Watches that they will mm -hmm. have for yeah. for a generation or more. Wine that they that will sit in their cellar for, for decades. Land, real estate. I mean, these are long-term investment vehicles that they that they put their money into that they feel they can use while they're still alive. Yeah. Uh, so so come 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 back home. Come 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 back to Ireland. How do you think our attitudes in this country to wealth will evolve and and what are the necessary mechanisms to help that evolve in a in a maybe a more developed or positive way? I think people definitely want access to fun, cool different um, investment classes, you know, than the kind of typical, prop, you know, a house or two and some, some stocks and bonds. I think what I'm hearing my friends talk about, they, you know, they look, they look towards the US. I mean, they have access to cultural trends there through movies and what they're reading and newsletters and Substack. And, and they're seeing and hearing people talk about, oh, yeah, I just put, you know, I just invested into my friend's startup and, you know, I had an exit from that. People want to be able to do that here. Young people certainly are talking about it and, you know, they're they're trying to figure out how they can get access to that. So culturally it is becoming more popular here. I think there is that kind of layer of infrastructure that's missing to kind of facilitate not only facilitate those who want to do it, but to bring it uh, to bring it to, to people who maybe don't realize that it could be very beneficial for their own portfolio. Mm. Okay, so as a, I guess as a final question, uh, and again, going back to your own experience with the Strategy and Competitiveness Center at Harvard, if you had to design a plan to make Ireland better at investing, have a better investment infrastructure, and you had to deliver that plan in two or three minutes, what would it look like? <laughs> I hate you. I'm going to kill you after this. Um, no, that's a great question. Um, I, you know, I think 
I think everything, you know, it, it sounds boring because, you know, investing is very exciting. Um, when you when you see what you can do with different investments in terms of real world, what you can create, the innovation that, that, that comes out of it, not only the financial returns, is very exciting. It sounds very unexciting to then use words like education and, you know, and literature. But I think ultimately it comes down to the fact that in Ireland we need to start you know, I, I don't know why it's not a part of the curriculum uh, at a very young age to to teach very simple concepts to to people about, you know, compounding interest and and the why why we would want to invest in the first place and what we're saving for and what a pension actually is and what it does and and how to access it. And, uh, you know, those sound like very boring concepts, but I think they're the basis of creating an intuition around something that can then, you know, when you're older or when you are more sophisticated or you can take that additional risk, turn it into something much more exciting. Well, for a, a two or three minute uh, strategy plan, that's really compelling. Uh, Sinead O'Sullivan, thank you very much. Thanks, Mike. Thank you for joining me in our second episode of The Wealth Evolution as we chart Ireland's emerging wealth culture. A big thank you to our guests, Sinead O'Sullivan and Ellen Kelly for sharing their invaluable insights. And thank you all for listening. The Wealth Evolution, brought to you by Michael Sullivan in association with Unio Wealth Management. Guiding, guarding and growing wealth in Ireland. Unio Financial Services Limited, trading as Unio Wealth Management, is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. This podcast does not constitute investment advice.